You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. What's up, Christ Walk? How is everybody doing today? So, so good to see all of you. I'm excited about today. Always love um, Back to School Blessing Sunday, and uh, they've got a bounce house and some cupcakes over in Kids Church, so uh, Chris is going to preach this morning. I'm going to Kids Church. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, We have got uh, a brand new series that we're kicking off today that I'm pumped about. So if you got your Bible, you got a smart device, turn with me to the Old Testament. If you're using um, an old-fashioned Bible like this, like one that actually is leather and paper, um, if you open right to the middle of the book, chances are you'll land there, uh, the book of Psalms. And we're going to be in the very first chapter of that book. So Psalm 1, we're going to land there in just a minute um, because we're kicking off Uh, This brand new series where for the next five weeks we're going to be talking about five different chapters from the Psalms. And so we have creatively titled this series, The Psalms. (laughs) Some of y'all will get that on the way home. Um, You'll just be driving down the road and it'll hit you. Oh, I get it. Uh, Most of us, though, when when we think of the Psalms, we think of them in terms of um, uh, our our response to worship or the standpoint of of the expressions of worship within the church, kind of guidelines and guardrails for for how to worship um, and and worship postures and everything. But but over these next five weeks, we're going to take a little bit of a different approach. We're going to seek a fresh perspective from five different Psalms that, that we're going going to implement, and rather than seeing them as simply expressions of worship, we're going to examine the contents of these five psalms uh, in order to utilize them uh, to develop a biblical worldview. Uh, And a worldview is simply the lens through which we view our standpoint, experiences, and interactions with the world and other people around us. And so even though these Psalms are are ancient writings from the Old Testament, they are very relevant and applicable for today. And they will help, uh, as we look at these, you'll discover how they're going to help us shape our viewpoint of of God, ourself, and others. And, And the scriptures, I believe, and what this church believes, and what we teach, and what this is founded on, is that these scriptures right here, the, the Holy Bible that was given to us, it was breathed by God himself, that this should be the lens through which we view and interact with the world around us. That is how uh, the, the Bible should influence the way that we experience all of life. And so in, in Psalm uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 1, we're going to pick up and we're going to read all six um, verses of this chapter together. We start here. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation in Psalm 1, beginning with verse 1. It's going to be, yeah, there we go. It says, Oh, the joys of those. All right, so let me just stop right there because maybe in your translation it says something like, um, 
uh, he is blessed or it talks about blessing or maybe it talks about um, being happy, all right? So that's actually um, a bit more of an adequate, more appropriate translation when you get down to the core of the word in the original Hebrew. And so because of that, we need to, we need to rise up. We need to take notice because it's talking about joy. It's talking about blessing. It's talking about happiness. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Verse three. Verse three says, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked, continuing to verse four. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. And as I said, right there at the beginning of this, of, of this chapter, it talks about, oh, the joys or blessing or, or happiness. And so whenever the Bible includes language and verbiage like that, it, it should be a trigger to our ears as the reader. Because when we're talking about having joy or having blessing or being happy, we want to be sure and pay attention to what's coming next. Because God's word is going to give us some key. To, to unlock some pretty incredible stuff in our life, some tools, some handles for us to take hold of in order to make that jump so that we can experience that joy. We can experience that blessing. We can experience that happiness in our life because how many of you, if, if you were being honest, would say, I wanna live a life that's happy and blessed. If you don't have your hand raised, there's something you need to check your pulse a little bit. We all wanna be happy. We all wanna be blessed. That's why you'll see as you scroll through social media, you know, you'll see all these posts with hashtag blessed. You know, people talking about these positive things that have happened in their life or good things that are going on or, or a new car that they got or a new home or a new job or a new baby or whatever. And, and they always conclude it with hashtag blessed. And I read that and I, want, I, I think to myself, like, like, are you really? Like, are you really blessed? Like according to biblical standards, are you living your life in such a way that you can 100% officially proclaim that you are hashtag blessed? Like what if I told you though that blessing could be guaranteed? What, what, if, what if I said that blessing was a guarantee? Wouldn't you do whatever it took in order to be happy, in order to experience blessing? If, if that's what all of you just raised your hands and you were like, yeah, that's me, I want that life. If I told you that 100%, I can guarantee that you can experience that in your life, wouldn't you do whatever it took? Like, think about it. If I said, okay, here's a list of five things that you have to do in the next five minutes, and if you complete them all, we're gonna hand you $1,000 cash on the way out the door. Every single person in this room would do those five things in the next five minutes or they would die trying. That is for sure what would happen. And so that's ultimately what Psalm 1 is telling us. It's, it's pointing us in the direction. It's saying here is a guarantee. Here's a 100% surety 
that you can be happy and blessed, that you can live a life that is full of joy. And then the psalmist says, and I'm going to tell you exactly how to go about it so that you can see that happen in your life. So you and I, we need to sit up, we need to take notice, and we need to look at what this passage is telling us so that we can experience those things in our life as well. So a little setup here for Psalm chapter 1. Um, you've heard the term, many of you probably, uh, the law and the prophets. As a matter of fact, when we're talking about the greatest commandment, Jesus said that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang all the law and the prophets. And so we, we hear that term and, and ultimately the, 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 this entire like narrative of scripture, it all points back to um, the foundation of the Old Testament, which is the law and the prophets. And, and right here at the opening of the book of Psalms, um, we find Psalm 1, which talks to us about the importance of the law, and then Psalm 2, which we'll be talking about next week, so you can go ahead and read ahead if you want to between now and next Sunday. Psalm chapter 2, it talks about the importance of prophecy, the, the law and the prophets. And, and Psalm 1, right here at the beginning, it, it's no coincidence that these two psalms were put here at the beginning of this book. Psalm 1 serves as the basis or the foundation for the proper attitude that we are to have toward God's law. And then Psalm 2 serves as the essential superstructure. It's, the, it's what's built on the foundation that has been laid by Psalm 1, that's been laid by the law that, that underscores the role of prophecy within the life of the believer. And so Psalm 1 sets all of this up by presenting to the reader two possible paths for them to take. And so here in Psalm chapter one, we see these two paths that are, that are uh, going against each other. They're, they're juxtaposed against each other. It's the pathway of the righteous and the pathway of the wicked. And this echoes the entire arc of all of the scripture narrative because we see throughout scripture from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we see this concept that keeps coming up over and over and over. It's, it's the two men concept, if you can follow me, two men. And, and ultimately what it's alluding to is the first Adam, which we see in Genesis at the beginning God created man and named him Adam. So we have the first Adam. And then later in the New Testament, that becomes completely fulfilled through the person of Jesus Christ, who is the last Adam. But in between all of those things, we see other two men concepts playing out the narrative of the scriptures. Think about the story of Cain and Abel. Those two men juxtaposed against each other. Ishmael and Isaac Going through the remainder of the Old Testament, we have Jacob and Esau. We have David and Saul. And then arriving into the New Testament, we have Christ and ultimately Antichrist. And so it's always two men, two paths, two destinies juxtaposed against each other. And that's what Psalm 1 is highlighting and pointing the reader to throughout the entire arc of the scriptures. Everybody with me so far? I know that's a lot to swallow, but it presents these two paths, 
Just like the, the entire narrative of the Bible, these two paths that we can walk, we can walk the path of the righteous or we can walk the path of the wicked. And you and I are presented these options each and every day. And every time I read this passage, one of my favorite in all of scripture, definitely one of my favorite in all of the Psalms, probably second to Psalm 24. Um, every time I read this, I think of that well-known poem by Robert Frost, where he says, two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. It's ultimately what this psalm is talking about. There's two paths and many of us, it's really easy to walk down the path of the wicked. Many of us will choose the path that is less traveled. It's the path of the righteous. And it points out where both of those paths end up. Here's what William Shakespeare said. He says, the choices we make dictate the lives that we lead. The choices that we make dictate the lives that we lead. And so what that means is, is that where you and I are going to end up in life and, and beyond this life on this earth, it ultimately comes down to one thing. It's the thing that fuels our choices. And that is this word desire. Everybody say desire. This is going to be an important word. Some of you um, you think of different things uh, when you say the word desire. Um, but the, the, the big idea of this message that we're going off of today and, and ultimately what this psalm is pointing us to is this. If you're taking notes, maybe you want to write this down. It's that our desire determines our direction and our direction determines our destination. That's what this psalm is communicating, that our desire determines our direction and our direction determines our destination. So let's take a closer look at these two paths here from Psalm chapter one. This first path is the path of the righteous, the path of the righteous. And it, it's, really, it's really kind of two kinds of people. Really, they're, they're one and the same because if you take the path of the righteous, this will be the result. But, but it, it, it describes two kinds of people that are on this path. And the first person that it describes in verses one and two is the person who receives a blessing, the person who receives a blessing. And in, in verses one and two, we read, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And so what we see here is there's a progression that is taking place. And, and it's a, it's a three-pronged progression. It's these three steps that we see kind of repeated throughout the scriptures over and over and over that, that the, the psalmist is highlighting here. He's talking about the dangers for, for um, that, that the person that is righteous that they need to avoid. And so it's, it's a warning of such. And, and so the progression that's taking place that, that ultimately leads us to, um, to the, the end result of the wicked, which we'll find out is destruction. This is the progression that takes place first. It's that we welcome the wrong counsel into our lives. We welcome the wrong counsel 
into our lives. And our translation says, it says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice. Many of, many of your translations would say those who do not walk in the way of the wicked. So first we see someone, they're walking, okay? This is important as a part of the progression because first they're walking. They're, they're actually, what it means is that they're giving ear to, they're listening to the advice of the wicked. And the wicked are those who willfully and purposefully pursue evil. Those are the wicked. And so what happens, what we see here is a picture of someone who, who they are, they're giving ear, they're listening to those that are wicked. They're spectating, they're, they're looking on into the behavior and the activities of those that have turned their back on God and are living a life that is not pleasing to him. And so they're walking in that direction. And then the progression continues. It moves from welcoming the wrong counsel into our life to welcoming the wrong companions into our life because now we have somebody, now they've stopped walking, now they're standing around with sinners. So they've got the wrong companions. They, they've stopped moving in that direction. Now they're standing around and they look around and the, the people that are around them are a bunch of sinners. And we've talked many times about how we're going to become like the people that we associate with. We're going to become like the five people that we spend the most time with. So we gotta be careful who we allow to be in that circle. And the warning here is to this person who, hey, you've got the wrong companions because you've walked in their direction and now you find yourself, you're standing in the middle of a circle of, of sinners and so therefore you are likely to become like them because it's moved now from listening or spectating to now thinking like them and associating with them it's not just walking in their direction now you're a part of them and you look around and oh you are one of them and you've surrounded yourself with them you've adopted their mindset. You've started to see things the way that they see them. And those people that are around you are now becoming your associates, your companions. And the progression continues from wrong counsel to wrong companions all the way to now you're a part of the wrong crowd. Our translation says, joining in with mockers. Some of your translations may say something like sitting in the seat of mockers or sitting in the seat of the scornful. Mockers are those that, that they make light of God's laws and they ridicule that which is sacred. So not only are you walking in the direction, you're no longer standing around with them, but now you are fully engaged. You are, you are sitting in the seat alongside of them. And so that moves from listening or spectating to thinking and associating to now you're behaving, you're participating in what is going on. And very quickly, we see this progression of how we, when we welcome the wrong counsel into our lives, it leads to us linking arms with the wrong companions. And then over time, we find ourselves becoming a part of the wrong crowd. An example of this, there's many of them in Scripture. But an example of this is, is um, Lot, who was Abraham's nephew. And we read uh, the bulk of his story in Genesis 13 and 14. And we find that when he parted ways with, with Abram, uh, Abraham, that it says that he looked toward Sodom. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. Both of those things happened in Genesis 13. And then Genesis 14, we see that Lot is now moved into Sodom. So first he's looking in that direction. He's moving his life 
in the direction of that which is wicked. He's pitching his tent. He's getting close. He's, he's taking up residence. He's sitting down close to, close to where he, he's associating with people that are close to that. And then finally we see him fully immersed. He's surrounded by it. That's how the progression takes place. And it all starts right up here in between our ears. It all starts with our thinking, with our mindset, the way that we look at the scriptures, the way that we look at the world around us. We fast forward all the way to the New Testament, and Paul writes a pretty sternly worded address to the church in Rome. And he opens up his first chapter kind of laying down the law with a lot of stuff, talking about all the bad things that are taking place and all the dumb decisions that the Romans are making before he kind of lays out this incredible discourse of of doctrine and theology in the remainder of that book. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, we read this right here. It says, since they, being the wicked, thought it foolish to acknowledge God... He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. So so he said, fine, if you're going to think that way, I'm just going to give you over to it. I'm going to give you over to that depraved mind. So God abandoned them because they refused. They thought it was foolish to acknowledge him. They thought it was foolish to consider how he would have them live and the way that he wanted them to participate, the way that he wanted them to engage in the world and, and to live a life that was pleasing and honorable unto him. And so, so they went their own way. They chose their own path, which was the path of the wicked. And God said, fine, have it your way. And he just turned them loose to their own desires. And this is what happened. Paul says, he says, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They were backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless and they have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them also. That's what's going to happen if we don't include God in the way that we think, if we're not looking at uh, uh, the world around us through the lens of the scriptures, it's going to end up us following that progression, just like Lot, just like so many that have gone before us. We'll welcome in the wrong counsel. We're going to welcome in the wrong companions. We're going to surround ourselves and find ourselves in the midst of the wrong crowd. And that's going to end up very badly for us, for those that make those decisions as Paul has pointed out to us. It all comes from this this place in in, uh, verses one and two, where actually in verse two of of, of Psalms chapter one, it says, but they, talking about the righteous, they delight in the law of the Lord. And this is an important word, delight. Because delight, it, it means pleasure or it means desire. It points back to what we talked about, that, that desire. And desire starts here. Because it's, we, we desire things based on what we see, based on what we hear, based on what we feel. And all of that gets processed in our brain through the way that we think. And then it takes hold of this thing right here called our hearts. So it starts here where desire is processed in our minds. And then it trickles down and it takes hold of a man in his heart. 
It's like, let me explain this, like a desire that I have in my heart. I desire beaver nuggets. So I get in my car and I drive in the direction of Bucky's. And then I arrive at the destination of an empty wallet and a fat belly. See, that's what happens. Desire determines direction, determines destination. So the things that we desire, we process it through the things that we see, the things that we hear, the things that we feel that we interact with, and it's going to take root in our heart. That's going to determine the direction, the pathway of our life, and which will, we will end up, as, as a result of those choices, we will end up at a particular destination. I love what uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle says um, about the way that we think. He says this right here. He says, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. It means the things that are going on up here are going to be what takes root right here. And that's going to determine the path that you and I walk down. But in, in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, we read this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And so what we're doing is, what, what the, the proverb there is, is encouraging us to do is to exchange our desires for the things that God desires for us. And so that we're going to trust in him, that, that he knows what's best. And we're going to lean into him for his will for our lives, rather than the things that we just see and, and hear and, and feel and, oh, I want that. I got to have that. I need that. We're going to move in his direction instead of our direction. And that we, when we put our trust in him that way, he's going to show us which path to take, or he's going to direct our paths. It will, it will make certain that we are on that path of righteousness if we will live that way. And so right here in the opening verses, it says that the, the righteous they, they delight in the law of the Lord and they, they meditate it, they meditate on it day and night. And we read that word meditate and we go back to the Hebrew and it's actually the Hebrew word hagah, which means to mutter or to read in undertone. So it's, it's words actually in the mouth is what it is communicating. And, and, and many, many Jews will do this. You, maybe you've even seen it. Like if, if you watch um, The Chosen, you've seen this happen um, in, in some of the people that are around Jesus or in some of the, uh, the Pharisees that are, that are in the temple and everything. You've seen this happen, that, that they're, they're, as they're walking around, as they're going about their day or as they're going through the rituals, they're muttering to themselves. They're reciting the words of the scriptures. And so the, the verbs here are very interesting because in verse one, the verbs in, in, in Psalm one, verse one, they're perfect tense and they speak of a settled way of life. Someone who has decided. They've decided to listen and follow and walk in the way of the wicked. They've decided to stand around those that are sinners. They've decided to sit and, and, and take up residence with those that are, are mockers. It's, it's, it's finished, it's, it's final, it's done. 
But here in verse 2, where it's talking about delighting and, and meditating, we have the imperfect tense, which means it's, it's speaking to constant practice. It's something that's ongoing. It's, I'm going to continue to do this. And as I continue in this, I, I'm going to grow and I'm going to develop, and God's going to do something in my life. It's, it's I'm still moving in his direction. It's not final yet. I haven't reached my final destination. There's still more out there for me is what it's communicating. And in John 1, verse 14, we read that the word became human and made his home among us. That's talking about Jesus Christ. He became flesh. We know that as we celebrate every Christmas, this baby that was born, the word, this right here, it became flesh and dwelt among us. And so that means that when we interact with this book, we are interacting with the very presence, the embodiment of Jesus Christ. And that when we read these scriptures, we shouldn't just read them with our eyes. We should read them with our mouths. We need to practice that Haggah. We need to get God's word in our mouth, communicating it because we're going to be breathing it in. We're going to be inhaling it. We're going to be taking it in and then, and then spitting it back out. It's important that it goes through that process because we are actually, um, we're ingesting and breathing in and out the very presence of Jesus Christ himself when we interact with this word. And when we speak to the Lord about his word, his word will speak to us about the Lord. That's how it happens. When we're communicating the word of the Lord to God, God is going to communicate who he is to us through the word of the Lord. And the way that we treat this book, the way that we treat the Bible is the way that we treat Jesus Christ. Because this is him. It's the word became flesh. This is his word to us. And man, I don't know about you, but that kind of makes me sick at my stomach a little bit sometimes. When I think about the way that I'm treating this book is the way that I'm treating Jesus. I'm the pastor of a church, and sometimes, if that's true, I don't treat Jesus all too very well. I dare say if we were being honest with ourselves, many of us would probably say the same. I love this quote from, from Willem uh, Van Gimmeren. He says, regardless of the time of day or the context, the godly respond to life in accordance with God's word. Regardless of the time of day or the context that no matter when it is, no matter what's going on, the godly respond to life in accordance with God's word. But if, if we're going to respond with the word, it requires us to interact with the word. We can't respond with the word if we don't know the word. We can't respond with the word if we're not standing on the word. When Jesus was driven out into the wilderness... After his baptism and before his earthly ministry, and he was tempted by the devil, all of those situations and scenarios representing the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, each time he was tempted, he responded with, it is written. He responded with the scriptures. He engaged life with the scriptures because he knew he had interacted with God's word. And so, Maybe some of you, you need to grab a soap journal and you need to start writing stuff down, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Maybe you need to download the YouVersion Bible app and you need to get a couple friends together and you need to start doing a plan together. 
Or maybe you just, for these next 21 days, we're in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And 21 days is, is what it takes in, in our human brain for us to establish a habit. The Gospel of John, it's going to tell you some great things about Jesus. Guess what? It's got 21 chapters. Maybe you just need to read one chapter a day of the Gospel of John for the next 21 days to start to establish that interaction with the Scriptures in your life. Or maybe for the next month, you're going to go through the book of Proverbs. It's got 31 chapters. And you're going to work on one proverb, one chapter of Proverbs every day, walking through it for the next month. Maybe you're going to read the New Testament. If you read three chapters a day, you can read the entire New Testament in about three months. If you read one chapter a day in Psalms and Proverbs and you smush all of those together, that's going to take about six months. Or if you read five chapters a day, you can read the entire Bible cover to cover in one calendar year. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever level you're on, take that next step. Get yourself some people. Get on version. Surround yourself. Meet for breakfast. Get over coffee. Whatever. And read God's word. Hold, hold each other accountable. But, but make it, make it a, an, an everyday, a regular part of your life. Because when we engage with God's word, we're engaging with Jesus. And the more of this we get in here, the better off we're going to be when we try to live out there. I wonder when was the last time we allowed scripture to determine our choices or change our behavior? When was the last time we allowed what this book says to determine our choices or to change our behavior? That before we made a choice, we consulted God's word first. So I think a lot of us, we just, we just go through life. I know that I do. I just run through and I, I make all of these decisions each and every day. Some of them turn out great. Some of them not so great. Man, what if I stopped to consider God's word first? What if I committed to what it says in Psalm 119 that I, I would hide its words in my heart, that I might not sin against God? What if we took that step? Psalms 1 says that that's key if you and I want to live a life that's happy and blessed. It's got to start right here. If we want to be the person that is blessed, the other person that's on this, this path of righteousness, verse 3 talks to us about the person who is a blessing. He doesn't just receive a blessing. He is a blessing. It says, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Some words I'd like to point out, they, they bear fruit. Their leaves never wither, and they, they prosper. So it's this, it's, it's this picture of a tree that's planted by a river, and the river is symbolic of God's provision and his spiritual blessing in our life. And the tree thrives not because of what's going on above the soil, but because of what's going on beneath the soil. The tree is thriving because of its root system. It's thriving because of the things that you don't see. You show me someone who is thriving in life, and I will show you someone who, who has deep roots that are, that are rooted in the parts of their life that you don't see, in, in their prayer closet and in the secret place, in the quiet place with God, spending time in his word, that, that the roots go down deep and they're drawing nourishment from the power of God's spirit. That's why that tree is so strong. 
And we do that through the reading of the word. But then that reading of the word, when we read God's word, we discover that it it demands more of us. And so not only do we read the word, but we worship through the proclamation of the word. That's why we're gathered here this morning in person and online for the proclamation of the word. The word is being proclaimed now. We sang songs earlier where the word was proclaimed. We, we prayed prayers of blessing where the word was proclaimed. And we cannot neglect coming together as a body and being together in worship for the proclamation of the word. We also engage with the word through fellowship. Through fellowship. That's why it's important for us to be in, in life groups, in these circles, outside of this large group to get around the kitchen table or, or to get around an activity or a shared interest. We can engage in the word together, iron sharpening iron, challenging, equipping, encouraging each other. If you haven't been in a life group, you're gonna have an opportunity as our fall semester opens up here in a few weeks. I would highly encourage you to take that step and engage with the word through doing life with other people. It's not just reading the word, but it also points us to living out the word in service, using our gifts and our skills and our abilities. If if you're not a part of serving, if you're not on one of the serve teams here at Christ Walk, you need to do that. You need to honor God's word by taking a step and putting it into practice and obedience and helping to make ministry happen here. Because that is the man who doesn't just receive a blessing, but he is a blessing to others. Because watch this. The tree, it says the tree that's planted by rivers of living water, that's got its roots down into the the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and it's drawing nourishment from there through interaction with God's word. It says that tree bears fruit. But when a tree bears fruit, the fruit is not for the tree. The fruit is for others to receive nourishment. So we bear fruit in our life, not for us, not for us to hoard it all. Look at all the apples I have. No, it's for us to be able to be a blessing to other people so that that they can receive nourishment. And oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want some more of that. Can you show me how to get it? Yeah, let me show you. It's right here in God's word and it comes full circle. And inside of that fruit are seeds. And those seeds represent future trees that are going to provide nourishment for future generations. It's all about leaving a legacy. It's not just for me. It's about what God can do through me. I'm just a conduit. I'm just a vessel. But if if I'm going to walk down the righteous path, it's not just about getting blessings. It's about being a blessing. That's what God wants to do in our life. Not just giving it to us, but but giving it to us so that we can bless others with it and point them in his direction as well. We can be a part of a legacy that lasts long after we're gone. That's what I want to be about. It says that 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 person, that that tree, that its leaves never wither. There's there's staying power there. Even in the harshest of conditions, there there is endurance because that tree is tapped in to the life source of God Almighty. And so here we have this this tree and it's got got these, these green leaves that are beautiful. It's glorious and magnificent to look at. It's got this this fruit 
that is growing from its branches that are providing nourishment and sowing seeds to to create a legacy for those to come. And so we see that when we walk down this path of righteousness, it, it makes us both beautiful and beneficial. It makes us something to be desired and that we have something that is desirable to give away. John 15, verses five and six, Jesus says this, he says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. This is what he's talking about. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me, anyone who does not walk down this path of righteousness, anyone who is not like a tree planted by this river of living water, they are thrown away like a useless branch and wither. Such branches are gathered into a pile and they will be burned. That's the opposite side of this. That's the second man. That's the second path. Because first we have this, this path of righteousness, which is, which is the, the, the person that is blessed and the person who is a blessing. But then on the other side of this, we have the path of the wicked. The path of the wicked. And this represents the person who needs a blessing. They don't have a blessing. They're not being a blessing or becoming a blessing. They need a blessing. Psalm 1, 4 through 6 says, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. It says they're worthless chaff. That's the, that's the, the, the husk that's around the, the part of the grain that is, that's usable for food. And so during the, the winnowing and, and, and everything, where the, at, at the, the time of harvest, that, that chaff, is, it's cracked open in order to access what is beneficial and what is beautiful. And it's just thrown to the floor. And the wind would come through and it would blow the chaff away because there's no weight there. There's no substance. It's just, it's worthless. And anything that was left over after all of the grain that was harvested, all of that stuff would be scooped up and the chaff and and everything that was useless, it would be thrown in the fire to be burned. They're going to be condemned. Not only are they going to be moving away from God in the direction of that wrong counsel, they're going to be condemned. They're going to find themselves with no place among the godly, and instead they're going to be in poor standing, surrounded by the companions of sinners. And then their destiny, because of their choices, because of their desires, because of their direction, their destiny is destruction. That's the crowd that they're going to be hanging out with. People that choose to go down that path, the crowd that they are going to be with is the crowd that is doomed to destruction. good news is today is that there's a better way for us to live there's a better way for us to live and the choice it's yours the choice is ours we don't have to choose the path of destruction instead we can choose to live for something more 
We can choose to draw our strength from the power of the Holy Spirit. We can choose to let God's word dictate our decisions, our actions, our behavior. We can choose to bear fruit that is going to nourish others and sow the seeds of legacy for generations yet to come. We can choose to point people in the direction of Jesus. We can choose to be the person who receives the blessing so that they can be a blessing. Two roads diverged in the wood. I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. So our desire determines our direction. Our direction determines our destination. Where are you going to choose to put your desire today? What direction are you going to head in? What path are you going to walk down? Is it going to be the path of the righteous that leads to blessing and happiness guaranteed? Or is it going to be the path of the wicked that leads to condemnation and destruction also guaranteed? The choice is ours today. But I can't help but wonder if what this church might look like, what our families and marriages might look like, what our workplaces might look like, what this community at large might look like, if all of those here today, all of us watching online, what if we chose wisely? What if we became those mighty trees that are drawing nourishment, life, power from the Holy Spirit? What if we became those people that received a life that was full of vigor and vitality with with leaves that did not wither? What if we became those people because of our choices, because of the foundation of our life? What if we became those people that bore fruit of blessing in order to leave a positive mark on the people that were around us, our family, our friends, our neighbors, those that we come in contact with? not only in this day, but for generations yet to come. And that's a future that I'm excited about. I don't know about you, but that's a vision I can get behind. So the choice is ours, righteous or wicked, blessing or destruction. Which path are we gonna take? If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Blake, I've never done this before, but today I, I want to choose to get my life going down the path of the righteous. I've been traveling that path of the wicked for so long. I'm ready to change courses and get my life where it needs to be. If you're in this room, you're watching with us online, you'd like to take that step today. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's as simple as ABC, admit, believe, and choose. It's going to be right here on the screen if you need it. Can we just pray together? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. 
To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.